Welcome to the Literal Fiction Book Club, where we read books so you don't have to. My name is Sam Johnson, and joining me today is... Troy. Alex. Chloe. Today, we are discussing Sutri by Cormac McCarthy, a book that thus far is about nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You can give us your thoughts, responses, tirades by leaving... (laughs) Corrections. You can leave your thoughts, responses, corrections, and tirades by leaving a voicemail on our Book Nerds hotline. The number is 1-978-255-3404. And to kick things off, we recently watched A Streetcar Named Desire. Well. Well. Sans two people. Well, Troy and I watched A Streetcar Named Desire. It's the movie starring Marlon Brando and Vivian Leigh. And um, so we just kind of wanted to start contrasting the play with the... The, the movie. Troy? Well, starting off with Marlon Brando, he is, I feel like Stanley in the play is very masculine, but not that hot. Um, <laughs> like, Marlon Brando is oh, extremely good looking in the film. It's like yeah. his peak mm. peak physical performance. Mm-hmm. He was jacked. Let's, oh, yeah, for sure. Talk about Unfair. That, let's talk about that mm. t-shirt. Yeah, he just wears a t-shirt the entire uh, time. Yep. But he's not like unnaturally like a, ripped he's just lean it was no no he was he's thick he has an abnormal amount of muscle for the yeah, time no he was thick like nowadays he still looks big and well, male body uh what is it body physique? building body Ex- image but we what it like the idea of like what like a jacked guy is now yeah. is completely divorced from what a jacked guy in 1940 was yeah a jacked you know? guy now is like a kind of a skinny mini like or like hot dudes, like a lot of times it's like lean uh, muscle, which is like pretty whack. No, a jacked lean muscle is not a real thing. Yeah, oh. a jacked guy now is a monster. He looks like a guy coming out of another guy. Oh no, but women yeah. don't like that. No, 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 no. I thought we meant ones that women. Well, no, liked. no. But think about like Hollywood movies. I mean, the best example is uh, Hugh Jackman. Mm. No, but he's not hot though. I, I, w- I would disagree. Plenty of people would disagree with that. Yeah, plenty of people disagree oh, okay. with that. But I mean, he's on steroids. Like he's very big. Like. Yeah, like Mel Gibson is also on steroids. Yeah, yeah, or or at least they're taking testosterone, you know. Yeah, but anyway, another opener where we all talk about men's bodies and Mel Gibson. But all right. Troy was talking about how, um, yeah, I think Stanley, he in the play, he comes off as more of like you know working class, good looking, like you know they he um, Tennessee Williams talks about him being in the prime of his life, but in the movie, obviously Marlon Brando kind of takes the stage. And then um, Vivian Lake, you know, I, I think we pretty much agreed at the end of the, the movie that she botched that performance. Like, Someone she, should tell her. I mean, she, you know, like Blanche in the play, if you read the play, she comes off as very like sympathetic and like a lot deeper of a character, whereas Vivian Lake can only play a cunt. So like, that's who we get. It's just like, she's so famous as an actress and it's like her acting chop, she just overdoes it. And we described while we were watching well, that the was movie, the it's, era. it's too bad because she has the like acting ability to do it well and like nuanced. It's like, nope, nope, she doesn't. Just completely over the top. Could you say that's poor direction, though? Potentially, I was. Who gonna... directed this? Anyone we know, or just some Jew? Um, I I think it no is. I think it was like Claire Witz or something like Amazing. that. Yeah. Continue, Troy. That he just basically in the film like slaps her around. And when I had first seen it without reading the screenplay or the play, I didn't know that 
like he intends and then does rape her because the film does not make that clear. It's just he kind of throws her around. Like there is one line, I forget exactly what it is, but it's like she looks good to do something. I don't remember the exact line, but it's just like if you miss that one line and he doesn't even say it with like, I don't know, sexual urgency. It's just he says it like he's mad. I mean, it's probably the a combination of at the times. I don't know if they were even able to. You couldn't even say the word to, pregnant. To pick that. But also, I, I don't think that uh, even if they could, Marlon Brando would be willing to play a rapist. No, but mm, I don't know. He's a lot of man. At that in in that year, though, maybe not. In 1975, maybe. The but. critical. Oh my God, in the 70s for sure. Yeah. The critical missing piece was having Stanley carry Blanche out. I agree. Yep. When she collapses and Stanley picks her up and walks her into the room, like it is implied, right? Like it's not like Tennessee Williams describes the rape, but it's that part that makes it sexual, not just Stanley being aggressive. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was the very end of the play, which is pretty much the thing about the movie that like rubbed me the wrong way completely. I'm totally okay with like, you know, maybe it was censored for that reason. Maybe the original movie had the carrying away or something like no, that. No, I'm sure the original didn't have that either, but right. they knew what they had to do. Sure, yeah, or they, they tailored the, um, the script for the movie that way. But the end of the movie and this had nothing to do with any type of censorship uh the end of the play it's our uh, stella is blanche is taken away to a mental hospital stella comes out and just says blanche blanche and then that's the end of the play the end of the movie um stella at they add a couple extra lines where stella rejects stanley and says i'm not going back and that's like like the opposite of the point that tennessee williams was trying to make and i thought it was a real shame because it was completely unnecessary to add those lines, right? Like all you need to do is say Blanche Blanche and end the play and it would have been fine. But for some reason they needed to have they needed to have her reject Stanley, which is like just not what Stella's character was about. That defeats the main tragedy yeah. of the play. What is even the point of the movie if that's the case? Right. So, Marlon Brando. It, great performances. I, yeah. I think Yeah. It neuters every the but entire like, thing. It, like Stella at the no point in this play was an empowered woman and all of a sudden she's like, you know, like going to strike it out on her own. Other, other thing we noticed was that uh, the upstairs neighbor Eunice is played by a white woman in the film. And it's like that really takes away a lot of the flavor of, you know, New Orleans being a like pretty multicultural city, especially for the time. Yeah, because he's, he's all his, his friends were like white, black, Hispanic and Polish. Right. Yeah, the three races. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that was four. <laughs> oh, I'm Polish. But yeah, that did really take away from, you know, part like, I don't know, part of that whole setting that made it compelling was the, you know, the multiracial aspect, especially being as um, in the time period it was in. And Eunice and a, her, her husband didn't even show up. They didn't even have no, that yeah. scene. The where, husband was gone. What where race he was, was her around? What race was Tennessee Williams? White. Really? With that name? Super white. That's not his real name. It's a yeah. pen name. Well, huh. yeah. No one has a real name. Yeah. I mean, they're all government. Yeah, they're names. all pen names, really. When you yeah, get down we just to use it. the same ones sometimes. Damn, that is deep. Yeah. Also, fella. quick aside: Tennessee Williams would be a good name for a pug. True that. I'll add it to the list. What's on our list, hon? 
Do you want me to read the pug name list? I mean, you can read some of them. It's There's not a very lot of them. Long. Yeah, it's, it's easy not, to cut stuff. No, it's not very long. <laughs> I got her. It's in my folder called Just for Fun. Okay. So when Sam and I get a pug, the name choices are Grover Cleveland, Mrs. Carol Brady, Zsa Zsa Gabor, Boss Hogs, Blue Cheese, Lady Marmalade, Gracchus Babouf, Catherine the Great, Marissa Tomei, or Baba Ganoush. And what am I adding? What did I say? Baba Ganoush is a strong Williams. addition. That wasn't in the list when you said. Oh yeah, this us. is this is no, this is like a you know, it's a living document. Like the Constitution. Yes. My grandfather had a dog named Clovis. Hey, that's so that's my, a good one. My yeah. only nickname in my entire life has been Clarvis or Clarve or Clarvalinda from my family. Clarvalinda? What yes. is that in Gotta reference bring that to? Back. Because my name's Chloe. So at one point when they were like, when I was a little baby, they were like, oh, Chloe, Chloe Clovis, Clarvis, Clarve. And my dad's dead sister, Linda. So Clarvalinda, because she and I have the same birthday. So I'm Clarve. Alinda. Clarvalinda. Clarvis. Somebody's going to break into your bank account now. Nah, they don't yeah. know my... Nope, that's not my password. Her password, everybody, is... Big ass 69. It's bitch, don't hack me. <laughs> Big ass 69. Ranch. No, that, that is our Wi-Fi password. If you want to log on here. Yeah, if you want to come over and fight me, you can get the Wi-Fi password. Yeah. Shouldn't be hard. He doesn't really weigh much. He's not a very imposing figure. <laughs> Damn, dude. I roasted you off the pod. Do we want to talk about Tulsi Gabbard? That's a good second half to the intro here. Yeah. Um, She's suing Clinton for $50 million? Well, let's intro it so it makes sense. What do you mean? Well, are we just going to be like, it's just we'll be talking and then it just goes, so. It's just going to go, let's talk about Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> you, do you, do you, how are <laughs> no. we going to? Well, I mean, it would just be like. That's wait, I'll just, do it. I'll intro know. it. I'll intro it. Let okay, me, yeah. I'm going to do it real natural. Also, okay. natural. Wait, wait. I'm going to do it real natural. Marlon Brando, what about Tulsi Gabbard? <laughs> now that's a transition, folks. Damn, this podcast. Well, I'm gonna give you a couple options. I got some more lined up. Speaking of hot celebrities, here we go. <laughs> right. S- speaking of warriors. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of rape, did you know the Clintons are being sued by Tulsi Gabbard? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Let's go with that. Thank you. All right. So Tulsi Gabbard is suing the Clintons for fifty million dollars for calling her a Russian asset. In fact, I don't know if you guys read her. The lawsuit that she filed, but in the first like paragraph, she says, um, you know, that whatever claimant Tulsi Gabbard is seeking the office of president of the United States, which Clinton has sought but has yet to attain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ooh, that's damn. so good. Isn't that good? Yeah. I mean, Tulsi really is. I mean, I don't really know what exactly she's doing, but this is funny. It's great. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, I love Tulsi, but I do love this. So. I guess that's a point in her my book her book for me or my book for her. Yeah. Killing it. Yeah. She's balancing out your checkbooks. Yeah. I feel that. I mean I you know, the Hindu thing. Thumbs down. You're not good with Hindu? What do you have against you just a monotheist kind of guy? She's not Hindu. Yeah, she is. Yes, she She's is. a Hindu nationalist. Yeah. No She loves Modi. Gabbard's a French name. Gabalu. No, yeah. she's she's definitely Hindu. French Indian. She loves Modi. Oh, French India. French Indochina. Pondicherry. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know? Uh, no, well, she brought it up at the town hall. She's 100% Hindu. Yeah. That doesn't mean she's not French. She like she came into <laughs> politics by campaigning against gay marriage. That was yeah. like her intro no, to politics. For right. real? Damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Though she's huge on anti-gay marriage. Yeah, there's, she's not That's a winner of the Democratic nomination. I, I she's I I'm. 
Obama campaigned against gay marriage too, though. It's it was right around the same time. It was the thing to do, though. No, but like yeah, now was... that's not palpable anymore. I mean, like even Trump is not like he doesn't make traditional marriage part of his agenda. You, you know? would have to be insane to be against gay marriage. At this point, yeah. But it was like almost a requirement 15 or 20 years ago to be against mar- gay marriage. Yeah. What if people campaign against divorce? That'd what be cool mean? to watch. That I, Like the sanctity of marriage. I, I honestly, I would like be more inclined in, to support that than I would be, yeah. be against gay marriage. Why? Because you hate women and you want to trap them in scary situations? Is that what it is? No, I don't really know why I said that. <laughs> I don't yeah. really believe Boom. what I just said. Boom. Yeah, you, you got me. Boom. What about all the guys who just want to have their model trains? Yeah, what about those guys? Those guys do not get married. Yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, they do. 100%. Wow. And then they get into model trains so they can have escape their wife. Right. Well, they have the trains. They don't need a divorce. The thing is, is like back in the day, you couldn't afford $200 noise-canceling headphones. But you uh, can now, baby. Yeah, that's right. So she can shriek and shriek and shriek, and no one has to listen. Just doesn't even come in. Gunshots are just going off. So very much like phrenology, as pointless, Sutri by Cormac McCarthy. Goodbye, everyone. Anyway. So I've got, I've had beef with Cormac McCarthy for a while. I've tried to read Blood Meridian. I got like 20 pages in. And Sam, you're talking about him being verbose. I agree with that. And I quit. And then I also tried to read maybe like the first 10 pages of The Road. And I don't know. A lot of times it's like you just got to power through that initial stuff. Because I also got that at the beginning of this. But I wanted to be this book where I gave him like an actual try. Um, and then there's been no plot. Not thus, yet. Thus far. There's been yeah. like two scenes that action actually occurs. And just so you know, we've read 150 pages. And I'm not saying like there have been some bright spots. The watermelon fucking was a good one. Um, <laughs> and especially the uh, the prisoners roasting him yeah, afterwards. Those, that w- those were, there's been some decent scenes. And the decent scenes have been revolving around dialogue. But... You can't walk into a motherfucking room with this fucking author and not hear about every branch that has ever moved. You know, the mouse that ran over the table two weeks ago, uh, like the way the stale air moved in the last 30 seconds. Like he just nothing moves quickly. It's so like molasses. And I feel he's like taking a magnifying scope and like moving it around everywhere all the time. And it's very tedious to read and it's even worse because he uses words he knows his readers don't know like there's no way you know i read quite a bit and like a lot of the words he uses i've haven't seen ever yeah i've had to look up a couple words i just skipped over them i'm not gonna lie i mean yeah but you can infer generally i'm never gonna see those words again in my life because i haven't ran into what if you read another one of his books (laughs) right is he alive? Can I shoot him? He is currently working on his final book. Cool. He's not going to finish it. He probably isn't. He's been writing it for 20 years. Oh, okay. Cool. It's going to be long as fuck. I do see like where this is going about it being slow. It's supposed to be he's kind of a drifter. He's a low life. He dropped out of life like on purpose. So I get that as long as it serves the plot, like even with him and the young guy whose name I can never fucking remember. Harrogate. Harrogate, yes. Harrogate. Um, there's like some scenes that seem asinine, but they're actually like showing their character's relationship building up. 
And then some of it is just showing Knoxville. Some of it is showing like the decrepit area that he lives in. But I agree that like of the hundred sixty or so pages we read, it could have been shaved by like thirty five, and I would have lost nothing. Yeah, it's definitely where he's like setting the stage for the listeners. I've read this book before uh, and like it, but I understand definitely the like tediousness of the beginning. It does really pick up, I will say. But I kind of get. I'm looking I, forward to I it. I get yeah. that. It reminds me of a an American uh, journey into the end of the night or whatever it's called. I was gonna say the same thing. I was gonna say that. Yeah, it it's essentially the American that, um, in terms of it's it's a long meandering existential thing about all these different scenes in this guy's life. Uh, and you know, so far life is kind of just like a meaningless pursuit of what, like getting drunk, early right. early times bathtub gin. I want some of that. People take one swig and they're vomiting for a day and a half. That I I have to, I would do have to say this is some of the scenes in this book have made me laugh out loud. Oh, for sure. The dialogue is I think perfect. Um, The the conversation between the two farmers after they find that one of his the well the farmer and whoever was there that is all of his watermelons were fucked. (laughs) He's like I think someone's fucking my watermelons, (laughs) and then they were discussing about like like why didn't he just fuck one. You know, why did he have to fuck them all? And he was like, oh, well, you know, he's probably pretty smart because he doesn't want the fruit flies. <laughs> he doesn't want a hornet to bite his dick. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, damn, Harrogate. Harrogate's a great character. I mean, it's it's kind of like a slice of life, kind of like all these bizarre American scenes. Um, you know, he, he took, I don't know if you read the Wikipedia about this or anything, but he spent. it took him 20 years to write this book. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. I have a new favorite. Uh, it's a Harrogate scene. I think it's when they're in jail. I have a new favorite word in, in dialect. Somebody calls him an idiot, but it's idiot. Yeah. You're idiot. such an idiot. And it's like I-D-J-I-T. It's like, I love that. That's awesome. I, d- I do think that the, the, the dialogue is like classic American Southern Gothic, like just like I don't know. He really nails it in terms of like you read it and you can hear somebody saying it. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, when the um, the prisoners were talking about like uh, you know, do wood pumpkins work? You know, <laughs> yeah. Do we need to put the cantaloupe in a skirt? Like those kinds of things. That that was really good, and he really shines with the dialogue. I just think his exposition just fucking sucks. a little too much. Yeah, and also in the um, when they're in prison roasting Harrogate, one of the oh god, who is it? Somebody's drawing it. And they actually draw like a cantaloupe and it says in black negligees. <laughs> like that's so funny. So good. Yeah. And like in the, the bar scenes when he's hanging out with all his boys or mm-hmm. the scene where they're in the diner and one of them, I don't know if it was J-Bone or he he farts, like he just like rips ass and they all have to like move across the place. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Something about all of that seems very natural and real. Um, I thought that... Uh, the scene where Sutri goes and visits his, um, is it his aunt, right? Yeah. Aunt and uncle. Like, I thought that was one of the more touching scenes that we've seen so far. Because, um, you know, and that's the thing. It kept reminding me of the second part of Journey to the End of the Night. And, you know, we didn't read that for this podcast, but we read it for the book group that kind of formed this podcast. And it's just so meandering. Um and I would just kept looking for these bright spots we got with the conversation. Like I said, when he goes and visits his aunt, you get this sense that there's something greater than himself, right? It's not just like pure existential narcissism. He's actually 
there is some backstory to this character that matters. Yeah. I mean, the book does very, very soon into it. He's visited by his uncle, the the alcoholic. Oh, yeah, that was the first hook. I was like yeah. 25 pages in. I was like, ooh, okay, something's happening. Yeah, that's a, I think that's like a really cool scene in terms of like setting in motion this this like idea of whatever he uh, Cornelius or whatever his name is is trying Cornelius. to escape. Yeah. Or is uh, his mother, right? When he shows up to the prison or she shows up to the prison. Yeah. Right. And he can't even talk to her. Well, it brings up twice in both of those scenes. It talks about how um, there was a stillbirth. It was like, he was he a twin? Or, yeah, yeah he's he a was, twin. He's a preemie, and then the brother died, and that obviously haunts him. Yep. Like, that's all I really got thus far about why he decided to just often leave life and become a bum. But, but yeah. yeah. It seems like there's that, like, element of, like, that a lot of his family is touched by madness or or alcoholism or something like that. Like, they're touched a bit by, like... I don't know. It's weird because, you know, this is at least how you've explained it. It's an ode to Southern Gothic, but there's nothing Christian about any of this. And that's an interesting. They do have one very Southern thing where, well, I don't know. I think I read a little bit ahead by accident. Um, A preacher comes along on the river and is talking about how he has to baptize people. And then they're talking about whether it has to be immersion or just sprinkling on the head. Oh, yeah. That's an awesome scene. And then the guy's like, I'd rather be a heathen. That sprinkling shit don't work, son. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. I I think we, I you read to 147, right? Oh, I, would, I read to 174. Okay. That makes, okay. That makes sense now. But that so you're scene dyslexic? Is, is that what you're getting at? Is that I your problem? So, I guess so. But uh, that seems great because it starts off with the, the woman in the white gown going under and they're all just staring at this <laughs> this woman comes up with her shirts translucent yeah all these guys are like just sitting there staring at like her breasts <sighs> yeah while they're all talking about how you gotta go under <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta get dunked yeah but no i don't think this is a christian book at all i don't think no, it's i don't it's think not so. it's no i'm just saying like you know the southern gothic we've read thus far had some you know Christianity was a looming feature. What else it. did we read? We read Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, and wasn't, I mean, I guess. Zora yeah, Neale Hurston. I guess that didn't really yeah. have much to do with Christianity, although now that I think about it, I'm kind of surprised that is true. Yeah, did, did that even come up at all? I don't think so, actually. That's actually that's actually really interesting. That's a pretty big blind spot for a discussion, because, like, African-Americans in the South. In, I know, yeah. You know. In 1935. Yeah. Like that, I mean, Christianity was a huge part of that culture. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I just don't have much to add to the, like, because nothing happened. Like, I know. And it wasn't, you know, when we read Flannery, right? And there's that whole scene where um, uh, Tarwater is burying his grandfather, right, for like 50 pages. She is able to weave these memories back in that are interesting and clearly have some sort of, you know, web that she's weaving and they feel compelling. But so far with Sutri, it's just, it, it just, it doesn't even feel like there's that kind of motion. I'm really not sure where we're building here. It kind of feels like there's like these little constellations that maybe because it's like his magnum opus or something like that, he's going to connect them all at the end or something. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of his early books. But I also did think that this book was similar to Journey into the End of the Night, but for a different reason. I was like, this is the first, the descriptions make me feel gross in a way that I haven't got since Celine. When he's describing like the shit in the water and how it's like slimy 
and the oars are coming out and just like up on the side of the bank where his houseboat is there's just like trash and stuff all over the place rats are running around it, i don't know it made me feel icky gas bubbles are bursting and popping on the top of the river Gross. yeah yeah I, I agree with that but i would say actually now now that i'm thinking about it the thing that upsets me the most about mccarthy's writing is his analogies he like inserts them all the fucking time and they're not they are not helpful right analogies are supposed to to evoke an image in your mind but he like keeps saying you know blah 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 like this like that in the middle of like a descriptive paragraph it's very distracting and it doesn't actually add anything and i think that's Mm. probably the thing that like tripped me up the most while i was reading it yeah i've noticed with well a couple things in the way he'll describe a scene especially later on i almost felt like it was lazy but it's just i don't know a writing technique he'll come in and he wants to quickly set the scene without giving too too much detail so he'll give like clipped fragments instead. And I don't know, that's okay to me, but he just does it too much where I notice it. And if I'm noticing it, that's breaking the fourth wall, which should not happen. Hmm. Like which part? Um, well, he just goes into multiple like diners and cafes. I notice it more when he's in the city. It's just instead of giving like long descriptions, I feel like he's just doing it like real quick, like hmm. rapid fire. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But just using that device or the way that he uses that for description. Although I prefer that to like the beginning. The first five pages, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to finish this. Because it's like an an overture (laughs) in terms of I wanted to give the readers just one, a single sentence. So this is from the second paragraph. With his jaw cradled in the crook of his arm, he watched idly surface phenomena Gouts of sewage faintly working, gray clots of nameless waste and yellow condoms roiling slowly out of the murk like some giant form of luke, of fluke or tapeworm. Like that is, that's actually one of the better ones. Yeah. But it's four lines long. And I feel like by the time I get to the end of the sentence, I have to look back to the beginning like, wait, what was, what was this sentence about? The first few pages is like an impenetrable wall of text. Yeah, I'll say. It sets it really sets the tone for the rest of the novel thus far. I think it's funny that uh, I don't know. Like this is like a guy who's won Oprah's Book of the Week. You know, you know. Oprah what I mean? has bad taste. No, but it's beyond that. Like he has a a popular. Like if you go on Goodreads, like if you look up like top ten best American novels of all time, like he's in there with at least one or two books. I think he might be in there for two. I think he might be like the Everyman's. Um, uh, uh, what is it, David Foster Wallace? I haven't read David Foster Wallace yet. Well, Neither have I. I've seen some interviews, though. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd but like to. he 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 writes like um, Infinite Jest is his famous book, and that's like you know it's something that I don't know it's undergrads read. You know, it's like yeah, um, it's a petite bourgeois like you know intellectual book, and I think that Cormac McCarthy. I think he's the kind of author that like people who read James Patterson like also keep on their library. And say like, oh, I also read Cormac McCarthy. I like think it's high literature. I like I, I I think Blood Meridian, which is considered his greatest book, and like it's a really I don't know people talk about it a lot. I think you're spot on about that with Blood Meridian. Like it's overhyped. Like it's the kind of book James Franco always talks about. Yeah, <laughs> like a very stupid guy. 
right. listeners, if you feel attacked right now, feel free to give us a ring. Yeah. I no, I've I've read Blood Meridian, and I think it has some really. I think it, it was. I liked. I enjoyed. Don't defend it. Blood Meridian. We're trying to no, anger our listeners. I am, no, I'm not. I don't think it's the one of the top ten greatest books ever written by an American. If you want to give us your thoughts, <laughs> if you want to disagree with what is being said on the podcast because you feel offended that we do not appreciate the greatness that is Cormac McCarthy, the number you're is pseudo intellectual. Yeah, you pseudo intellectual swine. Call one nine seven eight two five five three four zero four and get directly in contact with our co-host Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for the record, I like Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, no, but rip him a new one because um, for being pseudo intellectual. Yeah, yeah, do right. that. Do yeah. do that. Degrade him. Call me an idiot. I don't care. So tell me I have bad taste. He likes it. No, I don't. Get some hard. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel that <laughs> Sam, you mentioned that this was overwrought, and I agree. It feels like he's trying to be Faulkner to me. Like I can just like sometimes it flows and it flows well, but I don't know. I guess the arrogance of a writer and like how to write books that I have read. It's like you should never be like, oh, this is Faulkner writing. Oh, this is Cormac McCarthy writing. But like there's been multiple times just in this section where I'm like, he's really like laying out his chops here for us. Yeah. I mean, it was edited by Faulkner's longtime editor interesting like i think he i don't know it seems like he might see himself or at the time maybe saw himself as the america's heir to faulkner which people were literally calling him like shelby foot was calling him right like this it was like a thing that was being discussed at the time and then he shifts after this he stops writing in this style yeah i mean i think that i think he just is leaning a bit too heavily on his influences is maybe maybe what is kind of getting all jumbled up here because there's clear Flannery O'Connor influences there's clear Faulkner influences and he just kind of leans into that a lot and it's one of his early books so like maybe that's what happens you know yeah I don't know and just because you can wax poetic doesn't mean you need to like I'm fine if it works for the plot like everything is fine as long as it works for the plot but when it's just like him doing it because he wants to basically pop off and show like how good of a writer he is that's where you got to draw the line for me. It, it does come off as pointless at times. I don't. I find it enjoyable to read. I haven't found myself being like, Ugh. except for maybe the first ten pages, which is kind of a slog. But I get, I get, I get that it does kind of ring pointless. And the thing is, is like I understand why someone would like Cormac McCarthy. You know, it like in in like this. Um, I think I think on a prose level, like his sentence construction is good. He's interested. It's interesting that he avoids using punctuation um and like i get why someone would like it but it's just a little um sophomoric is kind of the vibe i'm getting yeah childish just like i mean it's boneheaded it's like someone like a really really bright 20 year old right would write a book like this Mm. you know they have like this grand idea of what this character suchry is going to be like and they're going to indulge as much as humanly possible when writing it I want to dig more into the idea of the editor. I didn't know that Faulkner's editor took a crack at it. I mean, it's like almost 500 pages, so he didn't do a very good job. But, <laughs> like, just, I don't know. I also can almost forgive, now that I see where the novel is going, it's supposed to be an existential, like, life is pointless, my child died sort of thing. Like, he does shovel dirt onto his child's grave. Well, he bails before the child dies. 
Yeah, he does. But that's like the only emotional scene other than when he meets his mother and when it brings up like the stillborn. Yeah. And when he sees his uncle. True. Yeah. Yeah. So the like very few times he's around his family, um, then it works. So I understand if it's trying to be like depressed, the world sucks. Like that's the theme of the book, which is why all the grime and grossness of the river and where he lives. But I still think it could have just been edited way down and still got the message yeah. across. It's about like what, like a, a someone like a someone lowering themselves. Yeah, he just wants to check out completely. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just coming around to the idea that not that being wordy is fine, right? But like, you know, when we think of like someone like Tolkien, right? Like they're wordy because, or he's wordy because he's building a world, right? Like. Dickens is wordy because he's trying to make a social critique or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to defend Dickens no matter what, even though he is definitely, um, I would say, not maybe not as wordy as McCarthy, but, you know. Close, he, yeah. yeah. He's he like could, the chief offender of this. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, like, I enjoyed, I, I always feel like what Dickens is trying to do is serving a general, like, thing that he, like, part of the project. Whereas, like, McCarthy comes off as meandering. Once again, we've only read about a third of the novel right now, so maybe it becomes clear why all of this has been said before, but I am skeptical that that will be the case. Hmm. Well, do what do you think it's a fair comparison to like, well, I, I wouldn't say comparison, but like another author that McCarthy always cites is uh, Tolstoy, like Anna Karenina being like his favorite book. But Anna Karenina, that is like one of the tightest books we've ever read. For, I know. That's kind of my point. For an 800-page book, like... Every, every word has its place. Yeah. Yeah. He was very meticulous about that. I don't... McCarthy has not come off like that so far. But like the descriptions of like scenery and rooms is... Di- like... I don't know the point I'm trying to make. I'm not comparing... I'm not comparing them favorably. Like... Sure. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the In the way... He's trying to be Tolstoy. He's just failing at it. You know, like he's a little over the top. I can still never get past Tolstoy creating minor characters, opening subplots, and then them going nowhere. Like I still have an axe to grind about that. <laughs> well, I guess maybe they they take liberties in different directions. Like Tolstoy takes goes kind of far with the subplots and characters. I mean, well, we didn't read War and Peace. We read Anna Karenina, and that's a uh, like from what you've described, right? Because I haven't read War and Peace yet. Anna Karenina is a much tighter book. There really isn't that many subblots. I'm trying to remember. What did he fill all 800 pages with? He filled it with the different experiences of of Leva, Levin, uh, Anna, Leva, Levo, Levo, and Anno. Our big Levo, um, Levin, Anna Karenina, and then um, you know, and just Vronsky, like Chad, and, yeah, Vronsky, right? All of the different characters and like where they were going, what they were doing, you know, the whole section about Anna and Vronsky going to Italy. Um, you know, you had Levin going out into the woods to, uh, you know, do uh, the hunting, right? Oh, yeah, that was good with um, Oblonsky. So there was a lot of plot built into the whole thing, and I really didn't when reading that wasn't like, oh, he's wasting time. I was just getting to know the characters better. Um, and I think that with books that are heavily focused on one or two characters, right? In this case, it's two, but it's really one. It's it just, I don't know. i am been recently resistant to the idea of like focus on self, right? Like as a thing. And like these single character books like Journey to the End of the Night, like Sutri, 
if it's 150 pages about one person being despondent, it's not that interesting. I, I don't even think you could say that uh, Satri is despondent. There's well, no evidence of that. I think he's just completely resigned. Yeah. There's like, everything. You, you know what I mean? It doesn't get into his emotional life. Yeah, that's true. Not yet. I'm like waiting for that to happen. I yeah. feel like that's why there's been such a long buildup is that it's showing how much he just doesn't care about living in a shithole, about being around like crooks and low lives. Oh, he's a crook and a low life. Crooks um, and low lives are kind of cool. Oh, yeah, for sure. He almost gets like murdered by another drifter when he's trying to get out of town. Guy oh, just like yeah. randomly punches him in the face and like tries to choke him out. That's did you get to that yet, Sam? I don't think so. That's a cool scene. That that's when the book I think really starts to pick up is like there and there and onwards. All right, I'm very confused about where we stopped. I apologize. You're way further than I. Well, I don't. I finished it, my reading on Monday, so I'm not really sure where we stopped. But yeah, he d- he ends up just wandering around. That's a sick scene. He gets kicked out of town. That's that. See that that's pretty cool. I want to be him, I think, is my problem. Jesus Christ, dude. So you want to just like catch catfish and or not catch catfish, catch carp and whatever other fish and bring it to the market. No, he catches catfish. He just he gets a few catfish. He just sells them to the white uh, meat market before he goes oh, to the black. Right, for the better right, price, right, right, yeah. Right. And then yeah. goes to the black meat market and says that there are none. But yeah, I don't know. It'd be nice to be a fisherman. I mean, I don't really want to be a fisherman. It sounds gross. He's not but... a fisherman. He's a bum who also catches fish. Yeah, even better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to not work, to just hang out with the boys all the time. Yeah, that's literally what you do right now. I have a job. Yeah. Of the scenes, was there one that you guys thought was just weirder than the rest? The one that stuck out to me is when he gets so drunk, he wanders into a black whorehouse and just like vomits and tries to crawl under a bed. And then they kick him out on the street. I was like, what? Where did this come from? Because he just like wanders into a random location that he's never been before. No, I think his friend brings him. Oh, he does. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's hanging out with a couple other black guys, and they like bring him there. But yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, early, that's a really bizarre scene. Early time moonshine. It kicks yeah. everybody's ass. It talks about like four characters vomiting from it, but it also talks about like grime and like other particles in the bottle. Yeah, I was so under, gross. wondering, were they drinking like camping fluid, camper stove fluid, or, or something? Like, were they drinking, like, stove fluid? Uh, yeah, I think they mix. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that was. It it's was alcohol, alcohol but yeah. it, it's alcohol, but I also do think they mix in, like, chemicals in it. That's cool. I, I mean... They make they make toilet wine when I'm they're so in jail. About you. And, like, it <laughs> yeah. smells so bad, and everybody's, like, about to vomit just from the smell of it. <laughs> the Harrogate barfs at the table. That's the thing. It's like, I, I don't know. There's so many funny scenes in this book. I just think it's, like, fun to read. I, I I don't, but it definitely is going nowhere, and I understand why you feel that way. But uh, yeah, I sometimes I don't really care I personally. Mean, so I think part of maybe part of the issue is that you built it up a little bit, you know? Oh, because I like it. Because you really, yeah, because you really like it, and like you know, a lot of the books you've recommended so far have been excellent in their own right. You know, not just because mm. they're funny or enjoyable. And I had a hard time enjoying these scenes because I was expecting, you know, literature. And oh. I don't really feel like I'm getting literature. literature. You know? Do I recommend literature? Literature? No, but it's like the vibe. I mean, like Flannery O'Connor is excellent. She's an excellent writer, right? Like, yeah. That was an excellent book. Um, whereas I feel like Cormac McCarthy is a little bit more, um, you know, like 
beach reading is kind of the vibe like focused beach reading i did read the road on a beach once when i was like 15 nice the so, road is so edgy not a good book no no, no really I, I haven't read it i don't think it's a good book no it's what he puts on his fucking covers these days you know new york whatever pulitzer prize winning author of the road is what i have here yeah well that was his last was the last book he put out that was Pulitzer Prized Pulitzer. How do you say it? Pulitzer or Pulitzer? Pulitzer? I just don't. I don't think he's written a book in the last twenty years. Pooh or Pulitzer? He's living off that money, man. Oh, he's rich as fuck. He's he wrote a couple of movies. They they made a movie of Child of God. They made a movie of The Road, No Country for Old Men, The Ch- Counselor, Child of God. Yeah, was him. Yeah, I think it has all of his books listed up at the front here. Child of God. I mean, probably it's the same problems. You might not like the writing style. Kind of an entertaining book. I don't know, man. I'm just having a hard time. Having a hard time with this one. Sam, mm. I think it's... So you mentioned, like, is it literature? Like, I feel like it is, but we can tell that it's trying to be. And that's personally why I'm like, eh. It's like, it's good, but it's not... It's no Flannery O'Connor. Do you think the problem is that it's modern? When was this written? Maybe 1975. I don't know. Actually, why do I ask these questions? I can I mean, yeah, you can copy right yeah. in front of me. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the you know the movement of writing that I'm not a fan of. It's probably the most recent book we've read. Uh, yeah, that's true. 1979. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I don't. I just don't feel like it had to be this way. Do you think he read Celine? You think probably. that's the problem? Oh, I definitely think he read. Celine. Oh Interesting. my god, he definitely read Celine. That's where it all went wrong. <laughs> I think this plot is keeping me slightly more engaged than Celine, but his descriptions, while great about being gross, still like nothing's come up to that same level. Where I was just like despondent about the world after reading Celine is like, this is some good shit. I, I started to read Death on the Installment Plan, the sequel to Journey to the End of the Night. It's unreal. It's like there's no paragraph breaks. Like Jesus. it's just. 600 pages just wall, like a wall of text see this is the thing it's called that, art i don't know if that's po- i don't know if it'd be possible for me to read that book i felt attached to that book and that's why it's been such a thorn in my side because not only was it like recommended by a person that i respect their literature opinion but also um the internet recommended it god damn 4chan it. recommended it but like like the first two parts of that book were so good like they were st- like the opening you know where he's like in the trenches and that was cool when, yeah and then when he goes to the african colony like both of those things were some of the coolest things i've ever read and then the second half of the book sucked so much like it's really hard for me to recover from that well do you really think that the first two parts were some one of the coolest things you've ever read yes you liked it that much i loved it i think it, yeah the first half of that book was great like up until he gets to the colony in africa like, even up to the ship, it's, like, very fast-paced, and then it all kind of, I don't know, goes off the rails. As there. soon as he goes yeah. to America, it's all wrong. That 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 just confused me. On his, like, weird boat that travels through time. A like, galley, a galley <laughs> yeah. ship. He was an oar. Like, he was rowing. He rowed to America as a slave. Yeah, that was special. It Which like, is what makes me think it's, like, almost, um, oh, God, what's that Indian author's name? Uh, Life of Pi. Oh, Jan Martel. Jan Martel. Is that a good book? Life of Pi yes. is a great book. Yes, it is. Nice. It's sentimental, so I guess you won't like it. No, had, I'll read a sentimental had book. Had 15-year-old me shook. Okay, interesting. It's a very touching story. Hmm. It's a good short read, too. 
a quick read? Yeah, very quick. Nice. Oh, that's that quick, huh? Yeah, it's like a couple hundred pages big text, like, but but tight, you know? Yeah. In this book, I did enjoy the humor in it. I'm trying to think. There was like five or six points where I chuckled, some like laughed out loud, but I can't remember any of the lines. Harrogate fighting the pig. <laughs> it's oh. mostly Harrogate. He's a really funny character. He is a really funny yeah, character. Harrogate remi- is really dumb. He reminds great. me of Tarwater. Yes. He's got Tarwater vibes. Totally. Big Tarwater energy. Yeah, when he was fucking the watermelons, like the beginning of that part, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Like when it's like, you know, he's just talking about the way he feels and then like his overalls being down by his knees. And I'm like, there's clearly something sexual going on here, but I'm not really sure. His pale body. Yeah. God damn. I love when um, he decides that he's just going to live under a ravine and then he hooks up. He's like, I'm going to catch these animals. And he attaches a wire to it. What is it? An electric wire? And then Sutri comes along. He's like, you know, you're going to kill somebody with that, right? He's like, really? <laughs> like, he just really does not get it. It's hilarious. Yeah, I really like that character. He makes me laugh. Or like you said, when he was wrestling the pig, right? And oh, it's just yeah. like, And then the pig's owner comes by and it's just like, you know, there's just like pig guts all over the fucking place. And he's like, that sure looks like my pig. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's just completely covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> head to toe. He's like, oh, I just thought it I thought it got out, you know? <laughs> and that was like the second one, too, because there was one that ran away. Like, oh, he yeah. tried and failed to slaughter it. Well, yeah, and him just like, he, he, what, he hits it with a rock and he can't kill it and he has to get like a stick to Yeah, he has like it. a pipe. Yeah. He's yeah. like trying to slaughter a pig with a pipe. <laughs> then he finally gets the idea to slit its throat, you know? Good stuff. Yeah, so, I, I mean, this whole conversation has helped me. I think I will enjoy the rest of the book more because I'm not going to be trying to expect more than it actually is giving me. Sometimes stuff is just fun. It's I just fun, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't, read, I didn't start reading this book as fun. So you I thought it was going to be like earth-shattering? Yeah, I thought it was going to be really, really good. I was had a high hopes for it. But I if mean, it's just... If it's fun garbage, it's fun garbage. <laughs> but everybody in culture, you're right. It's like <laughs> Oprah's book club stuff. So the road, the road was. It's just such so me. overhyped that it's like people expect yeah. too much. I feel all right about it just because I came into this book completely blind. I had no idea what it's about, aside from I guess fucking watermelons. Um, but I enjoy that going into books and movies not knowing what they're about. You expected that coming in? Did you know that? No, no. I didn't. Okay. But you guys texted it to me before I got to that part. Yeah, we yeah. renamed our Facebook group, or I renamed it Watermelon Fuckers Club, which I think is pretty good. I like that it gets renamed for every book. I appreciate yeah. that. It's Sam's it's good work right there. I'm trying. Hmm. I want to keep the vibes good, you know? It balances out. Alex is the editing. Sam renamed the chat. I read the book. we all contribute (laughs) well you've been do uh last week at least you you were doing kind of like the spot editing for alex right yeah i was going to do that but then i went to the doctor and they told me yeah you should stop going to the gym until your back is completely better and i was like oh fuck but i was using my wireless earbuds to enjoy listening to the podcast while lifting nice but now i don't have that in my life and it's making me sad can you listen in the car I can. I've just been a lazy shit, and I haven't <laughs> hooked up the Bluetooth. Yeah, I'll I, get around to it. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be listening to our pod. I'll be listening to it, and I'll give, be giving you advice. Yeah. What do I do for the pod? We you could be the one who listens jobs. and gives the help. Yeah, you want to help? 
Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, listen to the uh, stuff on the Google Drive and give well, Alex advice. What do I advice. do the pot already, though? Like, how can we be thankful for me? Um, your biting insight and um, enjoyable roasts and stunning physical beauty. Which part of that did you mean? Uh, all three. Tight. You Nailed keep it. the intro intros lively. Yeah, you bring you really good con- you bring good convo to the opening conversation. Thank you. Yeah. I did a good segue today with the raping. That was good, yeah. Excellent. I, I feel like we've been struggling on our book discussions lately. I don't think so. We've been getting a little too drunk. <laughs> the steam hasn't been there. Or it's either, yeah, it's, it's one or the other. I, I mean, Sam, you used to like prepare stuff. I mean, I've been, I didn't. It's because Daddy Sam isn't doing his homework. Huh? And that's you not, cucks can't fucking pick up the slack. That's not true. I spend no, I'm blaming them, Sam. Five hours you. a week editing this podcast. No, but it's not true. I normally do come up. Well, There's actually, hours this, in a week, big this boy. is why I'm pushing back against your comment, Alex, is that yeah, Alex. I normally, I this week I didn't, but even last week I came with discussion questions and we didn't need them because we were talking about the book. We did not get much book talk done. We didn't? No. No, yeah, last last week was a <laughs> we was a light episode on the book talk. That's yeah, right. it, the intro was 50 minutes long. <laughs> no, but we had a 2-hour <laughs> discussion. Yeah. 45 minutes of that was uh Chloe making drinks and us doing the play. I'm not kidding, dude. I we think, got like dude, maybe 30 the, minutes on the book. Dude, I think the Damn, play should okay. be a special episode. All right, you know what? You know what, woman? What? Anyway, I'm what? That was like a real suggestion. I thought that would be cute. To do what? When you guys read the play, like acting it out, just upload that as its own special thing if it doesn't fit in with the main app. A very special episode. But it's a couple scenes. Yeah, we if we really tried, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Don't you? Be goofy. I think it'd be really fun. I, yeah, it'd be fun. I just think like the scene and a half we did is probably not enough. Okay. No. It was not even a full scene. Right. It was like four pages and i was trying to read well, the took so stage long. direction it did take a long time yeah because sam had a different uh edition of the books we were having to share yeah, yeah yeah do you guys want me do you want me to like be a little bit more um uh i guess militant about enforcing the book discussion aspect of it uh no i just I think mean, the last had- few we had like the, like zorn and hearst and we're like what do you say about i don't do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I'm not, even, I'm not criticizing. I don't I'm just saying this book discussion. I mean, it's been part like mostly negative, but it's been good. Yeah, on the book. I I just think it's so funny. We yeah, we did read like 150 pages, but like I just don't feel like anything happened. I, it cl- clearly didn't. Right. Happen. But I mean, right. we had a lot to say about the style and kind of the background of the book. I don't know. I feel like there's more just meat to this one, at least in our discussion there has been, and more than militantly like enforcing. Sp- talking about the book just watching how much we drink is honestly i think the bigger reason well i think it's like we have to find the, the sweet spot there is a sweet spot because none and it gets a little too dry too much and you know what happens yeah, you just gotta wet yeah. your whistle just a little just a little just a touch to loosen the tongue then but um then sam starts slurring and talking about oh my um, god the catholicism of flattery connor <laughs> well i did that on the last episode yeah well by the end it was like Oh fuck! It was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I put it up in the drive. Uh, yeah, much the whole end. Um, I'll I'll have to give that. We're open. just like doing the play, and then suddenly it's just like you're just like, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like all of us just like knew like oh I gotta shut this down. 
Uh, no, but I, I mean, I do think that we should make sure that the book has its proper place. And I think it's partly my fault for not preparing, you know, because like part of what made book discussions work before was that I would have like six to 10 discussion questions that we could jump off from. And not all of them worked, right? But like at least one or two would start the discussion, you know, get the I do proverbial think it, motor it, going. Yeah, I do think it like keeps it coherent because like the things we've talked about so far tonight were like, we had a discussion on how the book was kind of not good and we've kind of approached that in a couple angles and then like we compared it to Celine. Yeah. I think comparing it to, can I make a suggestion? Yeah, go ahead. I think that maybe one way that you can bake in just a little bit more book talk and might be good for listeners. Cause the tagline is like, we read books so you don't have to like two, three sentences of what the fuck happened or what the book is about or whatever. Yeah. Short synopsis. I like that <laughs> idea. Like really yeah. little, like you don't have to like do a whole thing about it. But I think that that can maybe just in the process of thinking that or saying that out loud will maybe give, I don't know, could be helpful. So there once was a man named Sutri. He didn't do who, anything. Who stuck it right up his butchery. And then the, the thing and the, also the thing and this is the rhythm of a limerick. Yeah. There you go. But I mean, that's not a bad idea. Also, maybe yeah, like. It's a good idea. And the it's way a good that idea, you yeah. guys look at me when I have a good idea it just says. That we agree with you. Nope. <laughs> that's, I didn't look at you. He never looks at you. I look. Dude, I fucking know. <laughs> I look at stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I was also thinking, what if we... It, I was thinking about re, like reading quick biographies of the authors. Because I did that for Capote, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, I did it for Zora Neale Hurston, just because I knew nothing about her. Just like the Wikipedia page. But yeah, yeah. I think it adds like just another little dimension to and the then we discussion. Can, we could even like link to it in the bio. Okay, we can do that. It's a very minor thing. So but. do you want that to be part... So, all right. So we have our intro discussion. We you should introduce the book the first time you do the book in an impression of the author. Oh, God. Uh, or we could just be like, you know, this is a book written by Cormac McCarthy. It was published in 1979. This is a book written by Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy. What does he sound like? I don't, is he I don't from remember. Georgia? Because that, that was Georgia. He's from Tennessee. Tennessee. Brett, was that or was that not Georgia, though? Hmm? Sorry, I wasn't listening. Oh <laughs> I was looking at his photo <laughs> on the back where he's like staring into a glass of whiskey. No way, is he really? Sorry. I know he had to quit drinking. No, he has something in his hand. I can't actually make out what exactly it is. It looks like a glass. He's an odd looking dude. He's like sadly staring down. No, but I want I want to take some action items out of this discussion. So Okay. So we want to um, we want to do our intro conversation. Then when we introduce the book, we say, so we're talking about, you know, Sutri by Cormac McCarthy. It was written in this time. The section we read is about this. And Cormac McCarthy is this person. I mean, it, it might help with the pro- it will professional help, yeah. level of the podcast. I think so. I think it will. Yeah, and what I, <laughs> I, what I, tried, to, joke. What I tried to mention um, the other week when I was doing spot editing for you, Mm-hmm. was just even like having that in mind but we don't have to be like all right and now we're moving to this piece and now we're moving to this piece just like all right what is your impression in general of like the prose versus the plot versus the background versus what you think he's trying to get out of this mm. his character as an author yeah like your tidbit about it being faulkner's editor that's cool i didn't know that i didn't know that until um when i was at work the other day i was just bored and i was reading that's when i was finding out about the why can't i remember his name the the civil war guy shelby foot yeah 
That's when I found out about that too. You're gonna hate this. Do you know what Shelby Foote referred to Cormac McCarthy's writing? What? A gift to the English language. I mean, he was a drunk. I love the guy, but he's a drunk. <laughs> Not the best judgment. <laughs> His writing is a gift to the English language. It's a gift to American history. They were boys. Goddamn right. They're boy. They're the same guy. They're not the same. They're the man. same writer. They're the McCarthy same style. is a wannabe. Ooh. Shelby Foote is the real deal. You should go out to New Mexico and fight Cormac. I should. I don't think that he's not the real deal. It's just he's the girl that knows she's pretty, and it's like it's a kind of annoying. Like he knows that he's a good writer, and he just lays it on a little too heavy. I, I think that he is a good author, but he is very pretentious. Mm. I'd say there's probably. Uh, and I, I think I don't know. Shelby Foote knew he was a piece of shit. I haven't read Shelby Foote, so I have no idea. Shelby Foote does not insert himself into that three thousand page narrative at all. He is not in it. What did Shelby I mean, Foote write for the listeners? He wrote a trilogy of the Civil War, which is brilliant. But it's, which isn't a novel. No, but it's a it's a narrative historical fiction or nonfiction. Yeah. I mean Which is different than like a semi autobiographical novel. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I yeah, you're right. It might come through more in this than his other books because this is basically like his life. Oh, it 100 percent does. I mean, Blood Meridian's like a historical fiction novel about uh, I don't remember the guy's name. This this group of uh, mercenaries scalping Indians. Like it's like a true story. Oh damn! On okay. the Mexican Texas border, just getting paid for scalps. Uh, but like the devil's involved. It's like an intense. <laughs> okay. It's maybe, like one of the, one of those books. Give it he, another chance. It was one of those, I mean, everyone loves the book because it's one of those like larger than life like story. You know what I mean? Like it's so oh, it's life and death and God and the devil and Wow, no one's touched on those subjects before. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Woo Yeah. I mean, but I mean what else is the point of writing though? I don't know, being good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the plot's fault. It's not it's not the concept's fault. It's the writer's fault. <laughs> you can't like eliminate how about, I mean, if you want to deal with, like, good and bad and the devil, like, read the Bible, you know? Woo! I think that's where he got all these words he uses. Yeah, apparently. I, f- I really do feel like he, like, pulls all his words from the Bible. No, I think he takes up the source and says, I wanted to use this word. What are other words that Do you think bad? so? I, how the fuck do you know so many words, honestly? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just like he, he took the fucking, the GREs too many times, you know? And just like memorize the vocab for that. The GREs in the 1930s or whatever. Yeah, he's like trying to go to graduate school and he's like, oh man, I memorized all this vocab. Better use it in my novels. <laughs> Fair yeah. point, really. Like you got to use it for something. Yeah. Well, I think when people use words that are like super, super big or rare and um, to the point where it's not really communicative, I think it just shows that they're insecure about their own intelligence. It's the sign of a very sad, small man who probably hasn't gotten enough pussy. So, bummer I, for him. I mean, this dude's a millionaire. I, I don't think no, he's no, no, struggling no, I know. for pussy. <laughs> no, I know, but he's, I mean, he hasn't gotten you know over what I mean, it. though. He hasn't gotten over it. But you know what gotten I mean. Gotten over what? It's like, you know Not how, being charming, probably. You know how they're like dry drunks, right? There's, there are yeah. like, you know, incels that get pussy, you know? Right. Like, you're an incel forever, even if you get laid. Right. Yeah. Like Alex. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. 
I've never gotten that vibe necessarily from Cormac McCarthy. I think it's probably the opposite. I think he probably thinks a little too much of himself. I agree with that. Oh, well, I haven't read the book. That was just a general statement yeah. about men who use annoying words. No, no. My, my opinion is that he, you know, from his first book onwards, he's been very, you know, lauded. You know, yeah. like he wrote his yeah. first book and like that Faulkner's publisher was like, fe- or editor found the book and was like, oh, I like this. I want to publish this. I right. want to be your editor. It, and it, since then has been rich. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'm leaning into the Cormac hate because I think it makes for a good dynamic on the podcast. <laughs> I don't actually <laughs> me the defender, much. you the yeah. hater. And by the way, Chloe, no one needs clarification that you didn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a theme of this podcast. We emphasize it quite a bit. Okay. In the bi- <laughs> Chloe, in the bio of the podcast, it says Chloe does not read. Yeah. Period. I read. What? Yeah. What do you read? What do you read? My Name text, one thing you've my read. Textbooks for college. I think you're saying my text messages. <laughs> <laughs> and those. <laughs> the group chat. <laughs> I read the text in the memes. How do we, the how memes. Do we, how do we know you I don't read just blogs have blogs about design? How do we know you just don't have <laughs> you Siri talk read about them to variable you? Variable font technology and how it's changing the game. You want to talk about that? I bet Cormac McCarthy doesn't know shit about that. I know, but I don't think anybody else does. No. Fine. You want to talk about the 100 year anniversary of the Bauhaus movement? You Fuck do yeah, that I love me? Bauhaus. Is, I like them. I like them. No, I mean like everyone likes it, but that's yeah. why I say. Fat. What is that? I don't. It's like, it's like somewhere between like minimalism and brutalism. Yeah. Aren't those like? It's just cool oh, yeah. where it's it falls like in history. Yeah, I mean okay. everything from that era was cool because like life was the sure. worst. Right. I know, but like imagining it existing back in the twenties is fucking cool. What era is this? Twenties ish. I like brutalist architecture a lot. I hate it. I hate that. So I much. like it so much. I don't know why. I look at it and I just like. Because you're a fascist. Yeah, you're a fascist. That's why. But I thought brutalist. Uh, yeah, I guess. But I like. I like. <laughs> just uh, outed himself. I on like the pod. so. I, no, no, no. Dude, half I, of this pod is no. Alex being like, I was watching Nick Fuentes today. I like Soviet architecture a lot. Don't you? Yeah. No. no I mean, I do. I do. I'm just saying, like, I um the emphasis on utility as architecture, something that I don't enjoy i have a whole book on my coffee table about how beauty serves a human good and rejecting that and just to do utility is fucking queer i Mm. i really like um like antebellum south stuff like plantations i think are beautiful (laughs) i really like the look no i'm just saying it's true i'm getting roasted (laughs) homeboy comes out with that one (laughs) i really like uh jugendstil art nouveau i really like that you would have loved uh riga it has an entire Art Nouveau district. It was it's Dope. a UNESCO World Heritage Site. That's awesome. It seriously was like a magical like walk. They just, just got lost. There's like wandering. in Vienna, there's buildings from all different areas, and you just walk along, and it's like boom, this beautiful like piece of art from 1902. I love all the like metal roofed buildings in Paris with like the ornate like um, mm-hmm. window shapes. Oh yeah. yeah, I like that shit. Architecture really is great, and I think America has um none of it. Well, we just, some of it. We, 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 there's some good buildings. There's some good skyscrapers in Dallas. There's some really good ones. I like the, I mean, I like also, the mills. I, mean, I like also America's place in time. I mean, we don't have the mishmash of the eras the way that Europe does, which is tricky. But like federal architecture or whatever it's called, is the houses like yeah. from that era. What is the, is that? It's called federal. What is? Do you the know colonial? What, no, the one after colonial. What is that? Confederate. Confederacy, the Confederate whatever, States, Victorian. Victorian. No, I yeah. thought it was called federal style or something like that. Federal is like big stone, like gray color. No, like the houses. 
anyway. I don't think this that's is the so like with bra- like wraparound porches. No, it's good shit. Uh, but yeah, the South has great architecture. Uh, colonial architecture, I think, is cool. Yeah, fucking yeah. modern, like American like house bricks. architecture is so bad. It makes me it, so depressed. I was sitting around with a friend of mine. Um, Which at, friend? Call him out right now. I won't. But anyway, was a secret friend. No, her name's Natalie. That's not. The What's she doing? Part. What's she up to? What's her name? I didn't want to like say her name on the podcast. That was her last name. <laughs> it literally is. Where though. she live? Jesus Christ. Anyway. What's she, she look like? Look, oh, my God. She kind of looks like if my mom was young and hot and not Jewish. So not your mom? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like if you line them up, you could be like, oh, maybe that's her daughter and maybe it was okay. Maybe it was okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I was hanging she out with like her. She's got a little potato nose. So right. I was hanging out with her at a, sh- at a uh, um, like there's one of those like strip shopping malls at in Londonderry. Like a plaza? And I was just like. Yeah, like a plaza, right? Like just, you know, one you'd see anywhere in America. And I just like sat around and like looked at the damn thing, like the shopping mall. And it's like, it's like the ugliest thing one could create, right? Like as a public space that you can go to and like be around, there's nothing appealing about looking at it. And that, that mean like that's like the standard for all of America is being around hideous things all the time. It is, yeah. Remember when we were at Alex's shack, like I think maybe over this past summer, maybe, and you were like really drunk and you were talking about just like you were talking about like carpet bombing all suburbs. I can't. He's he's brought this up so many goddamn times. No, but I feel like you should like maybe. I don't have to add, go off. You should add you know? plazas to the list of your. Oh, plazas are. Terrorism. They've been on that list. They're the first thing on the list. Sam's been talking about his lists for days <laughs> now with like yeah. increasing vitriol and intensity, and it's pretty cool. So there's a list for companies that sell um, cheap coffee for over two dollars. Oh yeah. There's a list. Of people who write shitty fucking code. It's that one I have guy. To fix. Ro- it's just Roberto. Uh, it's not Roberto. <laughs> I thought you said it was Roberto. No, Roberto definitely didn't write that code. Prime <laughs> candidate to go down a flight of stairs. And now there's <laughs> lists of sh- all of the shopping malls in New Hampshire. Tell them oh, about yeah. your plan for your list of people who write shitty code. Oh, how you were gonna set up the list? Yeah, so I was gonna set up the list, and I was gonna each person was gonna have a hangman for them. So you know, like the game Hangman, and so I draw piece of the hangman and then when it's done they die <laughs> so that's like, cool man so it's like a voodoo doll but of oh no i mean i actually do the killing but like yeah we all have guns yeah we have guns it's second episode in the row i brought that up yeah oh gun rally virginia yeah snoozer yeah nobody got killed i mean yeah the blackface governor is going to get away with it i guess i guess so it's so funny. It's so funny to me that the fake news scumbags, those fucking pieces of shit at CNN, managed to portray this as a white nationalist rally when there were left wing groups there. There were like all these signs about like, you know, transgender gun owners and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, my, a lot of minorities showed up there. Yeah. T- tons, 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 tons. Yeah, it was a very like I don't know representative body of Virginians. And the fake news scumbags portrayed it as a white nationalist rally when the fact that the governor is a guy who's known for loving to wear blackface, the Democrat. It's like the contrast. They're protesting against him. Do you see David Hogg's tweet? He was part of that narrative. No. Oh, he was involved in this. Interesting. All right. I I haven't seen this. No. He was talking about it being a white nationalist rally. You know, and it was keeping um, it was keeping unarmed minorities out of the public space because people with guns showed up to the Capitol. What? 
Right, because I'm because there are you know it's a white nationalist rally of armed white men who show up to this, even and, though that's not true. Yeah, but they did, and therefore they are intimidating unarmed minorities from making their grievances heard by the government. So it's intimidating the pro-gun minorities from showing up. The anti-gun minorities. Oh well, hey, maybe this. Doesn't I mean, sound true, but whatever. But like, what are you supposed to do? Not have your rally because other people are afraid that you're there? <laughs> I know, right? You can't express your viewpoint. The viewpoint that is held by the majority of Virginians. Uh, all I was going to say is that it's too bad because David Th- David Hogg was showing some real potential. He was posting all this shit like Tucker Carlson mode about how like, <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> really? about how the media just is using like race to divide us and how they want to just keep us from p- focusing on class. Well, he can't get away from the gun thing because he's a... Uh, Thank you. We're just going to transition. Goodbye. No. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will be reading the second section of- We um, finish it? We want to finish it? Yeah. Finish it. I mean, it's- Do we guys have time? I mean, it's 250 pages. I don't know if I'll be able to get through it all. Oh, okay. So we're going to read basically like another 150 pages- the point of the podcast is that we read the book so you don't have to. So, like, you know, don't even bother. Um, <laughs> yeah, why would you be? Why would you be reading the book? Yeah, don't read the hey, book. Hey, welcome Chloe's, to the club. Yeah, Chloe. Yeah, exactly. Chloe's like a really good stand-in for like what your life will be like if you don't read the book. So, if you like our lives, then read the book. If you do, you like Chloe's life, then then don't read. But we're really happy that everybody's listening to the podcast. Uh, Everyone's our, listening. Our numbers are up. Our numbers are up. And what are our um, numbers? Uh, we're like in the you know like two hundred listens. We're a on month. Apple's top one podcast list. Yeah, knew it. Yeah, we're we're in the Oprah Winfrey's podcast list, right? Yeah, now. we're actually be Oprah's book of the month. Yeah, since we're a podcast. Um, but <laughs> if you would like to leave a voicemail, um, about anything at all, um, you could tell us. You know, your personal life story. You can just make fart noises yeah. into the phone. You could do really anything. Uh, give us a call at one nine seven eight two five five three four zero four. That's one nine seven eight two five five three four zero four. Well say it so that they could actually call it, you monster. Three four zero four. That's just one nine seven eight two five five three four zero four. Thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Have a good night, everyone. Goodbye.